Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another installment of The Comics Pals. You're tuned into episode 174. We are a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Hey, guys, uh, something's different about Sean. He's a lot less black than usual. Wow. <laughs> you went right for the low-hanging fruit there, huh, His Phil? voice has gotten a lot higher. Yeah. Uh, a lot higher. Sean, Almost Sean, are you good? emasculated higher? What do, you, what do you mean, guys? I'm here. Mm. That's, that's your Sean impression? Mm. This is terrible. This is just nothing but bad bits. <laughs> well, but what, are you, what are you guys talking about? Marco's not here. No, that's, oh, that's true. Marco that's, isn't here. That's a worse. good observation, Sean. <laughs> it's, just, it's like it's barely different than his Kermit the Frog. <laughs> it's like, Elmo. It's, I mean, it's Elmo. I mean, it's Sean. <laughs> that's Elmo? That's what Elmo sounds like to you? Wait, are you saying Sean is Elmo? <laughs> oh, my God. No, Sean is Sean. Sean is Big Bird at best. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> well, obviously, Kale's Oscar the Grouch. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> I feel like Sean would be one of the grown-ups, you know? Like yeah, he's Big one Bird. of the real adults. And Pete, you're you're the Cookie Monster. I'm Cookie Monster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I do love a good cookie. I don't know, man. I think he's a uh, uh, animal. I know it's not Sesame Street, but he's oh. in the Muppet family. It's oh, true. That is Animal's pretty great. good. Guy's a hell of a drummer. Yeah. I'm Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog here. Oh, that's not bad. It was better than your uh, Sean impression. Marcos, Marcos isn't bad. Marco is Elmo. That that he we is can all agree. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's like track. Like potty but time like Elmo, Elmo. Once he's become like a weird, horny teenager, and it's like really unfortunate, you know. <laughs> yeah. What Elmo. timeline is this, folks? <laughs> the very same timeline that we exist in. I mean, yeah, Sesame Street's been on since the sixties, seventies. Yeah, seventies. Elmo's like fifty years old now. Dude needs to get laid. Oh my god. And with that, yeah, can we talk about comics? This is this went down a weird path. Oh, is that what we do on the show? <laughs> when contrary Sean's to here, popular belief, well, <laughs> we do. I know I don't want to jump into the news here uh, well, right not, now, but Red Lobster is still serving the Cheddar Bay biscuits. I don't know if you guys <laughs> saw that. Um, why you put that? And because it's comic book news. It. It's not news. The fact that they're still serving biscuits is not. It's comic news. book news. It's on comicbook.com. What do you want me to do? That was. Ridiculous. I don't. I, I don't decide to, what the news is. I just report it. Listeners, I had to seriously read through that article because I thought there was something there that 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 Kale was like, "Oh, this is somehow related." It was not. not it was literally about <laughs> red lobsters serving and not, fucking and biscuits. And here's the thing: it's not even like I wrote it. I just found it. And it was, <laughs> and you put it, and I was like, "Oh, this has yeah. to be something." And I read it t- through the end, so now you, now I know uh, you can get two for two ninety nine, or I think five Ugh. for seven forty nine. Guys, I, what are we doing? Are you on. really reading an ad for fucking Red Lobster hold now? On, no, on, I'm creating on. an ad for us, and by that I mean telling you where you can find us. I uh, have the recipe for the us. Red Wait, Lobster shut Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Sit down. And- shut up. Uh, they're very easy to make. I'll post it. If you are a member of the Comics Pals Discord, I will post it. And uh, you can make your own Cheddar Bay Biscuits. They are tremendous. All right, listen. I know I talk shit about this bit, but I actually would love that recipe. So you got it, baby. You got Marco it. Marco had an adequate transition into plugging our shit, and Kale trampled on it to talk <laughs> about the thing everyone knows Red Lobster for other than lobsters. I know. They, and this is what happens. I don't because even, I don't even think... 
people know Red Lobster for lobster. Let's get that what out What are there. we doing? Do we know yeah, Olive Garden doing? for Red Lobster is dead? <laughs> oh, my God. They Marcus, got Cheddar Bay Biscuits. They're making you the money now. You got to take over this ship, dude. Oh, and speaking of ships, the sinking one. And by that, I mean the Comics Pals. You can tune in uh, anywhere that podcast. You, you have podcast services. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. If we're not there, bother me. And you can also reach out to us on all of our social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us an email, thecomicspals at gmail.com. Check out our YouTube. This is going to be on YouTube. Hello. Hi, we're on YouTube right now. We are Hello, YouTube. Right YouTube. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> like, comment, ugh, like, comment, share, and subscribe. Click and the notification bell. Click the notification bell. That's very important. And uh, definitely leave us a rating. We like to hear what you guys think of the show. It helps us and it validates our feelings. That is true. <laughs> also, Jesus. check out, me. as previously mentioned, feelings. if you want to check out Kale's recipe, as he mentioned, he will be dropping that in our Discord. Join our Discord. It's a lot of fun. We talk about a lot of comics, a lot of news, especially some of the stuff that we'll be getting into later. We had a lengthy conversation with some folks there, especially about the Dan Didio news, which uh, we'll be getting into. We even got a couple questions. We did even oh. get a couple questions. Pete, mm. could you take that away? Oh, okay. Well, we're jumping right into the first one. So, all right. So, this one comes from our pal Matt, formerly of the Long Box Podcast, who says, "Rip R I P." Oh, yeah. Rest in peace. Uh, how do you approach collecting when a publisher stops printing the comic you're collecting? For example, I'm currently collecting Dark Horses. Oh my goodness, omnibuses, goddess. and they stopped releasing them. Oh, goddess. I'm sorry. Oh my goddesses, omnibuses, and they stopped releasing them with volume six. My options are going digital or buying the single volume. So I'm curious how you'd approach something like that. Slash, if you have. So I've thought about this a little. I'm not huge on collecting things that are out of print but when i was first starting to collect comics i i wanted to get as much of the uh the comic uh young justice series uh the first one and uh i wanted to get as much as of that as i possibly could and uh i would go to stores specifically for the floppies because i i think at that point they hadn't the market hadn't significantly shifted toward trades. So I guess my answer is if if I want it that bad, I'll find it in floppy. Well, <clears throat> but what Matt's asking is more like they're not going to print any more of these omnibuses. So now it's like he has to either go to digital or start getting volumes. So you're saying you would just start getting singles? If the volumes exist, I would get the volumes. Well, the 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 reality is, and this is this is an issue that I've found, um, because there's been plenty of books that I wanted to collect, uh, where you know the the collected edition is way out of print, and the the the, the secondary market is extremely inflated, because uh, there's it's a it's a uh, the resource is uh, oh, what's the word? There's only a finite amount of them left, right? So it's scarce. And, um, you know, whether it's like, uh, uh, Denny O'Neill's question run or Ooh. Abnett and Lanning's, uh, Nova, uh, uh, trades or, or when Annihilation, well, the, the original Annihilation omnibus, which was like 600 bucks when it was out of print. Yeah. I mean, Damn. at that, at that point, all you can do is either buy digital or buy floppies that, you know, I don't know what the floppy market is, but I assume for stuff like that too, it's a similar issue of like, you know, 
it's a popular book and are probably Depends. expensive. Yeah. Well, but again, I, I don't I don't think like he's talking about a book that he's currently following, right? And they've been putting it out this way and now he has to choose one of the new ways. So I don't think it's like akin to trying to hunt down something that's like out of print. It's that they're stopping printing it, you know? So it's like how you would approach it from there. And I, I think I would go digital because I mean, if you still would, if you're someone who prefers to read physical, then obviously get the volumes, right? That's an easy answer. But if it's like about the collection, I wouldn't want to have a collection that's mixed like that, you know, like, and that's just me as a collector. Like I collect the, uh, the invincible, like hardcover, you know, volumes. That was how I got that series. And like, I don't have any of the single volume, like floppies like that, you know? And there are some books that I get that way and I won't go get the hardcover because that's not how I pick them up, you know? So if you want to have a nice collection to put on your shelf, it's kind of like, I feel like it's weird to have it broken up across two different mediums, but you know, I, I guess it really comes down to, is that a book that you really want to have handy, a physical version that you can loan out to somebody, or is it a book that you're content to just keep reading at this point? Yeah. I, and I will say I have the, why the last man in that like mixed format and it's not satisfying yeah. by any means. I have the first two trades like 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 uh, looser floppies and then the three of the hardcover deluxe editions and then the last arc in two floppies and I, it's just on my bookshelf and it looks terrible. Um but but I I, I think I, I think honestly I think I would go with digital unless to Pete's point you're like planning on sharing it out cuz otherwise if you don't want to have that sort of non synergy it um it's just easier to have it on hand digitally like you can pull it up it's just it's less cumbersome that way i think but again if you really want it you're gonna have to get those single volumes baby if i ever told you guys how i found the first volume of the of denny o'neill's question series how wait you own it yeah i do that's really expensive yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> so I, uh, when I lived in New York, I worked at the Strand, and I spent far too much time uh, in the comic section, and that's why I don't work there anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's but, why you don't work there anymore. <laughs> yeah, that place sucks. Um, but they, they asked me to. They were having me move stuff to the top of the bookshelves, and I was standing on the ladder moving some of like the big showcase collections to the like the the very top of the bookshelf and and i put one up and i couldn't like budget i couldn't keep it moving so i got up there and i felt around and looked around there's the question volume one uh no way at the very top of the shelf covered in dust i think somebody put it up there and forgot it forgot about it it was 50 bucks damn (laughs) i bought it on the spot how much for a trade 50 yeah that's uh actually uh like cheap for that book but it is expensive for uh for the used section of uh the strand for sure sure how much how much does it usually go for phil uh last i i saw it was 150 dollars whoa i think it's i think it's back in print though now i don't think so I'm really curious how much it actually is going for now. Let's see if I can find like I, on Amazon. It's just listed as out of print. I just saw it on DCComics.com for twenty really? bucks. The first volume. So, yeah. <laughs> Feels like I'm gonna order it right now. <laughs> I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Like that's probably how much it was going for in 2007 when it was originally printed. But 
like you know that's a fucking 13 year old book yeah but it's a trade right it's just a, it's like a single it's a single yeah, volume they, they reprinted it i don't think they reprinted yeah. it though that's my thing can we order it and let us know i can't order it i already have it <laughs> why <laughs> would i order it and let us know <clears throat> and uh speaking of books that we want to either read or talk about palace pools y'all let's start with phil oh <laughs> okay um so i put on my uh pull list this week fantastic four grim noir number one and the cover is really cool and the first thing the first two things that I kind of hearken to, which is a Ben Grimm noir story sounds really cool by uh, Jerry Duggan and Ron Garney. Um, and then the other thing I kind of thought of was like the, uh, the, the Grimm fairy tales. Oh. Uh, obviously, Grimm noir probably implies it's got like a gritty thing. I don't mean the Philadelphia Flyers mascot. Um, <laughs> I would read that Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would also read a gritty noir book. <laughs> Holy shit. That would be fucking tight. Um, damn. That's a great idea. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like Ben Grimm a lot. And I think this is an environment he would really thrive in. Uh, he looks good in a silly oversized sure does. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm into it. And uh, the cover is actually by the same guy, uh, Phil. I know we were commenting the cover looks dope. It's the same. same so it's Ron, Ron Garney. It's Ron yeah. Garney. It's great. Uh, if those of you listening at home, uh, you should take a look at the cover of this book. Very, very cool. cool. Uh, and then from me, uh, I got Olympia number four. So I've really been enjoying that series. Very Kirby-esque superhero from like another dimension comes into our reality and metaphysical shit happens. It's, it's really, really cool. A lot of fun. Yeah, right. And... Uh, also, I know that, I think we might have mentioned it like a, a few weeks ago, but I'm kind of into Amethyst, and Amethyst is coming out with a new number one by Amy Reader. She's she did um, Rocket Girl from Image. I didn't. Wasn't it? Hasn't that series been relaunched fairly recently? I think it was like with a the, few um, years ago. Yeah, well, with the uh, Bendis's imprint. Oh, I think you're right. Was it, or was she just included in a story? Or, yeah, or was that announced when he first came on? Oh, now that it's could, actually happening. That I could think be. That's, yeah, that I could think be. that's what might be going yeah, on there. Okay, that's what it was. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, Amethyst. I I like the character for for whatever reason. I think a few years back, my aunt had bought me one of those bags that just has a bunch of comics in it for like five bucks. Yeah. Uh, she got it from TJ Maxx. She gave it to me. I was like, look, an Amethyst cover. I mean, an Amethyst book. That's interesting. And I was like, oh shit, I kind of like I'm into this. Huh. So cool. Right. I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm gonna probably pick that up next week. And I like Amy Reader well enough. She's she's a good artist, good writer. Cool. So, jumping into the news, I wanted to start with a Marco was right because it's been confirmed. Ben Affleck is officially out as Batman. I feel like that's everyone conspiracy but Sean theory. was right. Right. <laughs> yep. Conspiracy theory. Sean's not on this week's episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So, conspiracy theory confirmed. <laughs> he lied that he's going on vacation because he just didn't want to own the fact that he was wrong. I don't know, Phil. Yep. He didn't want to give me the W. He didn't want to give it to me last <laughs> week. Now he has to, and he's not fucking here. Dude, he, yep. This conspiracy theory will hold true on the end of the year show. 
If he, if he doesn't bring it up, you'll that's how, that's how that's you'll know. That's how you'll know. <laughs> um, we got to try to remember. Uh, but uh, I did just want to read a few quotes from from Affleck just with regards to the character, uh, especially in light of this. They had a, a New York Times article that really dug deep into you know his history, what he's been up to recently. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of it had to do with some of his alcoholism. So um, for those of you guys interested, you know, take a deep dive on that. But just to sort of cover off, uh, cover off on one of the quotes here, he says, I showed somebody the Batman script. They said, I think this script is really good. I also think you'll drink yourself to death if you go through with what you just went through again. So he had had a relapse back in 2017 and then all of 2018 he'd been back. So, you know, that was obviously tied into a lot of what had happened here. Any any thoughts on just kind of the shit? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously tough to, um, you know, there's not much to say about somebody like going through alcoholism other than, you know, like I hope he comes out the other end of it healthier um, and that it, it seems like this role was, you know, like taking a lot out of him and that makes sense, right? Like it was pretty turbulent. I think is a fair way to put his time as Batman. Like, you know, say what you will about how you think of his performance or whatever. Like, I don't really think like him or Henry Cavill ever got a really fair shake at their characters, you know? And yeah. like when you're playing these really iconic roles, especially Ben Affleck, right? Like he went into it with skepticism and a similar level of skepticism to like when we saw, you know, like, oh, like Heath Ledger is going to be the Joker, right? And everybody reacted negatively. And then it was this legendary performance. And for him, it was not that. It was, he was in what is like arguably the, you know, most maligned superhero movie, you know, out there of like the modern era is Batman v Superman. Right. And then Justice League was a jumbled mess. That was a tortured production that went through two different directors and reshoots and, you know, especially like when you think about Affleck as being like a comic book fan, you know, like I'm sure he was so excited to play Batman and went in with this positivity and wanting to get it right, especially when Daredevil was another kind of like public blunder of him playing a superhero and it went poorly again, you know, and it became a meme and he became a joke and, you know... I, I totally empathize with what I'm sure was a tough time for him, you know? Um, that being said, it's not a surprise that he's leaving. I think, again, all four of us felt like it was safe to say that he was no longer associated with these projects once we learned about what Matt's, uh, Matt Reeves' vision for Batman was and that, you know, now we have a replacement Batman who we've seen suit up, you know? Um, I think it was inevitable that this announcement was going to come. And it sounds like it's the best thing for everybody, you know? Well, and I think, I think the, the thing that goes on, on top of all of that is, you know, originally the, this, this Batman film was going to be his, he was going to write, direct and act in it. And I mean, that'll drive anybody crazy. And, 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 you know, when he, he gradually started to step down, you know, that was the thing. He was like, you can't be Batman and the director of the film at the same time. Yeah. Although, I will say, how cool would it have been to have a shot of him in the director's chair in the Batman suit? Oh, Yo, that'd be wild. <laughs> that would have been neat. That would have been neat. I, I, I always believed that Ben Affleck would make a good Batman. Um, yeah. As, as Ben Affleck, I, I 
believe he has he radiates that kind of Bruce Wayne aura that at least like Kevin Conroy did in the original Batman series. Like watching watching Bruce Wayne in Batman animated series, I could watch that and be like, yeah, I could see Ben Affleck do this. Yeah, yeah. I think I think of the of the Batman that we've had so far, I think he he to me is the one that really could do both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like he's brooding, but he's also got the kind of like he's a little smarmy, a little sarcastic. And I think I think maybe if we'd had him first like when he was a bit younger mm. i think it i think i think that would have been a really solid casting choice well you know i think i think ben affleck as he is now would have made a really good like batman during like grant morrison's run or something where it's like he's got a really big batman family he's a little older yeah i'm yeah. not i'm not saying like he was in batman v superman where it's like a really poor facsimile for uh, frank miller's dark knight yeah. returns batman <laughs> But but like you say, the Batman, the animated series Batman, who has uh, some time under his belt, but yeah. he's not like old and jaded about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like he's he's had the opportunity to be softened by things like having a relationship to multiple kids. Robins. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, uh, to some of this stuff. Yeah. To some of the stuff that you guys mentioned, just in terms of uh, like like how how he, his his heart towards the end kind of wasn't into in it. Uh, he he also has a, a quote here where we had a script. I liked the script. I wrote it with Jeff Johns, who I have a lot of respect for. It just so happened that I had done a couple of a couple of those movies, and I kind of lost my passion for it. You know what I mean? I kind of lost my passion for telling these stories. I got interested in telling more stories like this, and it seemed like very clear to me that if it's not the most important thing in the world to you, you're not going to make a very good movie. The movie deserves to be made by someone who's dying to do it and can't wait. And that wasn't me at that time, so I moved on. And there's just so much pressure on these roles nowadays, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, that... Well, particularly after two movies that were flops. Yeah. You know, there's so much expectation there. Um, I don't blame him, you know? And not to mention that, like, he's not... Like, he's not old, but he's not young. Like, I, w- I don't blame him for being in his... He's, what, in his late 40s, right? He might be in his 50s uh, at this point. He's in his 50s. Yeah, probably early 50s. So, fine. So say he's in his 50s. Right? 47. Like 47. Oh, and he's got to be like working out like crazy to be super fit. And, you know, and also not for nothing. Like he went from being, you know, like in the 90s and the early 2000s, he was kind of like a heartthrob. He was in, you know, like a lot of like romantic comedies and stuff. And the last couple years of his career before he was Batman, he was like, getting oscar nods yeah you know and like and then he became the you know what the least popular batman ever yeah great and it's a character that he you know reportedly loves yeah and was really excited about so it's like yeah no fucking shit like yeah there's only so many more years that he has and again not to say that he's old right but like you think about someone as a creator you only have so many stories to tell you only have so many movies you get to make and he's already wasted a bunch of time, frankly, being Batman. And it's done nothing for his career except make him a joke and make his drinking worse. You know, so like, <laughs> damn. 
But <laughs> like, I mean, I think, yeah, think fair, about it yeah. from his perspective. I know, I know, the two, he, he yeah. was doing fucking Fargo before this shit, and he he was gonna win Best Director. You know, the like, two, yeah, the two superhero films he's been in has have have flopped, and, and they suck. Yeah, and have done his uh, career no favors whatsoever. And they're oh. pro- and they're and like you say, they're properties he loves. Like I can't imagine how disillusioned he probably is about all that. It's very yeah, you know, and it's. It, it, like, I don't blame him for walking away and wanting to get back to doing stuff that's like – like, again, he's one of the few people in Hollywood who can get a movie made that's not a superhero movie or an adaption or something. So it's like, go fucking – go Go tell, go us, go tell a story. Else, yeah, go tell your story. Yeah, go tell whatever other story you want to tell. I'm sure it'll be good. He's a talented actor and a talented director as much as people like to rag on him. You know, like – It is very strange how much – let me put it this way. So everyone rags on Ben Affleck for like his film career decisions from like the 90s and early 2000s. But like people didn't do that with Matthew McConaughey. Like he made a terrible a lot of terrible movie decisions in the early 2000s, but you know, come 2010 yeah. you get this McConaughey and everyone's all about him. Ditto for Robert Pattinson. He's Batman now. Everyone hates Twilight. Everyone has this weird faux masculinity thing about This is his comeback moment though. I think I think I think the thing about Robert Pattinson though is he also hates Twilight. <laughs> and he and he's been very vocal about that. Yeah, and and I also think it's it's been a long time, right? Like for years he was the Twilight guy and now he's done some serious dramatic roles like Lighthouse and stuff and now people are like, "Oh, he's actually a good actor and now he's going to be Batman." Man, and if this is cool, all of a sudden he's a hot movie star. You're, again. you're right, but the difference is this happened with Ben Affleck too, but no one had that reaction. Everyone was like, "Oh, fuck Ben Affleck." <laughs> That's the thing is, I think he was having his comeback, but then his Batman movie sucked. Yep, yep. I think it's the same trajectory. Yep. Like, think about it. Like Ben Affleck was, oh yeah, like. Maybe you thought he was cool in some of Kevin Smith's movies, or you liked Goodwill Hunting, but otherwise he was in romantic comedies that nobody respected, right? And nobody respected him for what he was doing in those movies. And he was Daredevil, and that sucked. And then he had Fargo. Fargo. He had a couple other dramatic turns. What was it? Argo. Argo. Argo, right? Fargo's the FX show. Um, and the movie by the Argo, and like. I- <laughs> yeah, and then he, I think he had the. Uh, there was another other like couple roles around that time where. He was getting that star power. He was getting attention from the Academy. And I feel like... Oh, yeah. That's right. Yep. Totally. So, like, I think he was on that path, and then these movies made him a meme again because they were not good. So you're saying he got, like, kneecapped on the way. Mm, Interesting. Okay. To his comeback. I feel like... I really do. So... And I mm. think... Pattinson's on that same rise right now, and if this movie flops, we'll see the same shit happen to him, where all of a sudden he's the joke... He's the joke Twilight guy and the guy who fucked up Batman again. Yeah, but people don't seem as pessimistic about the casting of Robert Pattinson as they were with Ben Affleck. And Ben Affleck was much further along on, like, his career. And the career of salvaging than uh, Robert Pattinson's on. Robert Pattinson, I think, had less damage done to his career, too, though, because he's done less. Yeah. You know, Ben Affleck was a staple of pop culture for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, like,. Pattinson was, but it wasn't him. It was his character. Right. It wasn't, you know, Ben Affleck was a celebrity for like a decade, you know? And like, he's still a household name in a way that Robert Pattinson isn't. Like for our generation, sure, because Twilight was a moment when we were teenagers. But like, if you ask my dad who Ben Affleck is, he knows who Ben Affleck is. He probably doesn't know who Robert Pattinson is. Five years from now, we'll see. Okay. You think your dad knows who Ben Affleck is? 
Yeah, for sure. He's seen Goodwill Hunting. All right, all right. Well, Pete's dad is a you cowboy. Know? He lives life on a range. Well, that's what I I was kind of wondering. <laughs> my dad watches a lot of movies and stuff, you know. Like I, I I'm sure my dad knows who Ben Affleck is, you know. The the thing about uh the the Ben Affleck being like kneecapped with with Batman and everything too is I I I really think that the even still like the 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 majority failures that the DC film universe has has been it's 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 like it's been surprising like these films by all accounts like should have been good these i mean the earlier ones were really like just a mess you know and like and i think even the stuff that we're seeing now like it's a mixed bag you know because i there isn't I to to bring up an old meme from the show. I I really think it's a, a lack of vision. <laughs> Zach Zack Snyder really like fucked everything up, and it's not a hundred. He really it's did. not hundred percent his fault. It, it's a very strange. We've talked about it before on the show. Very strange decision by Warner Brothers executives to just give him the farm, even though he has no track record of like massive box office successes, and just be like, go do your thing. Uh, I'm sorry, have you not seen 300, one of the world's greatest comic book adaptions? I'm not saying it's a bad comic book adaption, despite your sarcasm, but the movie wasn't, it was, it was a moment <laughs> in pop culture, but like, it wasn't a massive blockbuster. It kind of was, but that's like the only one. Well, Ben Affleck, you served your tenure. Don't let the door kick you on the way out. And we were all right. Oh, come on. <laughs> Be respectful. Give Ben a break. No, fuck him. He's rich. I don't give a shit. But we were all right. We are vindicated. But <laughs> you know what? You know what? You put it like that. Okay. <laughs> fuck. Man. Speaking of uh, somebody who is going to be replacing him uh, in the role of Batman, guys, I'm putting a, a quick tweet in the thread so you guys could take a quick look at the uh, some of this images here. But we got a few leaked images from the Batman set, and I I know that. Last week we talked about it, especially with his the reveal of the outfit, and people were really hot on it. But after the reveal of this, uh, Twitter has taken a turn, and people are not as thrilled about this new image and look. Uh, I'm gonna read one quick, couple of quick uh, tweets here. The bat suit and especially the ears on the mask look ridiculous. Twilight Batman on a scooter. Scoot scoot. <laughs> and then. <laughs> What is this? Scoot, 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 baby! And then uh, I know we've Batman. Scoot, scoot. I know (laughs) (laughs) we've talked about it in the past, where uh, especially with I think Titans. You know, this is obviously before production comes in and before the effects and all that kind of shit. So Mark Hughes came on to to sort of defend some of it. He said, "I'll also remind everybody that the elite images are of a stunt double and a version of the suit involving VFX." taken with a cell phone. So remember when much of the fandom declared Ledger's Joker was going to suck based on the leaked set pics or the Dark Knight bat suit or was Robocop or had a pencil neck, etc. When you look at these images, remember you aren't actually seeing the things as they will eventually look on screen. Yeah, this is this is nothing. This is a nothing story for, for that reason, right? Like the fact that people are like up in arms that we also had the same thing with Captain Marvel, yep. if you'll remember. Oh, right? yeah. There, yeah, was, there was that weird... The weird shot of Brie Larson in the Kree suit, like from the back and at a weird angle, and it's like, oh, it looks terrible. Yeah, it's like, 
it's not, this isn't in context. Like, a film isn't just the raw footage that you shoot, you know? Like, especially an SFX-driven movie? Like, come on, guys. I actually think this looks great. Like, we talked about it when they first revealed it. I like that it looks like it's lo-fi. I like that it looks like a younger bat suit that's not super, super, like, high-tech and everything yet, because I want a movie about a younger, closer-to-the-ground Batman, you know? I I like that he's got a basic fucking motorcycle, not a tank. Like, it's cool. I think it looks like shit, and I think the Batman Begins, the Nolan Batman suits look like shit. I'm sick of, like, armor Batman. Just give me a fucking costume. You just want you just want like the st- like tight yeah just give yeah, me that yeah give me that costume. sick Adam West shit <laughs> yo dude I I wouldn't be against that at all if they went back Twitter, to the blue Twitter's yeah, been that'd be great. That, that, that's what they've been about um uh, but going back to what Pete said about the bike uh there have been theories just in terms of some of the content of the movie because of the bike and the lack therein of cape people have been thinking that this these stories might actually take place within uh obviously we've talked about it the first couple of years as Batman but also uh, specifically from Zero Year, the Scott Snyder Batman run, where he sort of tackles some of the earlier, uh, some of like the, the earlier villains. Ugh. I don't know if that'd be something you guys would be into. Uh, that suit's okay. I don't know if you guys have yeah, seen I mean, it. I, I, not I can't recall it off the top of my head. You know, it's does like he have for a me, crossbow. Uh, he, yes, he does have yeah, a yeah. crossbow. Yeah, he does have what? a crossbow. That's awesome. That He's gonna be best um, friends with the Huntress from Birds of Prey. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I I I'm into this so far. Like, I I like the idea that it's a younger, more inexperienced Batman, and I don't I don't see anything wrong with the suit. Like, it reminds me of kind of like the Arkham stuff, like where it does have like kind of a, a body armor look to it. And I feel like, especially if you are looking at like a younger Bruce, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, and I definitely think that just in terms of the Zero Year stuff, that was one of the oh, okay. my, my like fun. That, that, that was one of my probably like second favorite arc of the Scott Snyder stuff. So, yeah, like, what's wrong with that suit, Phil? Um, it, I just said it was fine. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. He's got a crossbow, man. <laughs> he does have a crossbow at one point. Like, I feel like I feel like that looks pretty standard. Like, he's just got like knee guards on. But yeah, I mean, again, if if it does end up being one of the earlier years, which we know it kind of is, I, I'm definitely excited for that. I know we've also really spoken about how excited we are for that sort of take on Batman, considering, you know, we've been doing it the other way with Ben Affleck, getting a little bit older. Um, but I did want to jump in into a random question of the week. Hell yeah, Pete. Oh, shit. So, the show's canceled. <laughs> uh, Pete, if you could take that away. Sure, this one comes from Harris over in the Discord, and he says, What character design do you dislike and why? Mine is Havoc's odd rings from the late 90s, early 2000s. Wrong. I know it was overhauled to get rid of the headgear, <laughs> but nothing beats the old jacket and X-Factor getup. Wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> Those rings are the best part of Havoc. <laughs> Harris, you fool. You foolish fool. Respect. Damn, how about the, the gate? I don't know what he was talking about. I had to Google it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like I I I'm the kind of person that likes those extra things though, like uh like Adam Strange's fin. His little oh, that's the best. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Okay. I love a, I love a superhero like uh, uh Yellow Jacket, Hank Pym's uh, uh one of his seventeen <sighs> other alter egos. He's got the great big discs on the shoulders. Yeah, that is really love cool. Those. I like that one too. 
I, I, I was sitting on this one and I couldn't think, think of anything. The only thing that came to mind after like seriously thinking about it was Aquaman when they got rid of his like orange and, and green pants. He kind of just like took had had no shirt. You didn't like uh, Hook, and then he had Iron, a hook yeah. hand. You didn't like Hook Aquaman? I didn't like it. That's a that's hot Aquaman. Man. That's a hot take, dude. Well, no, 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 no. The, the, not not the hook one, but the one where his 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 hand is water. Oh, that oh from oh, like the two thousands. Okay. Yeah. Huh. That was okay. That one was alright. Yeah, okay. that was okay. Exactly. Yeah, that was it was like it was fine. Oh, everybody, shut up! I have a legitimate <laughs> answer. Um, <laughs> the new fifty two design of Red Robin. Um, yeah, that sucks. Teen Titans. Oh God! Going from Marcus Toe's Red Robin, which was a sort of variation on the uh, the Kingdom Come Red Robin, to that hot garbage, and now to Bendis's fucking turd brown <laughs> Tim Drake thing. Terrible. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good point. Speaking of New Fifty Two, Jim Lee's Superman armor sucks shit. <laughs> I'm not a fan of most of the Superman redesigns. Like, there have been a lot of like whack Superman outfits. Just keep it simple, folks. I like the the jeans and the t-shirt. Yes, it's good. That's one. great. Yeah. That's a great yeah, look. The jeans and t-shirt was all right. How Phil? No. How did you feel about feel about uh, the 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 suit post rebirth? The Superman nah. without without the briefs. Yeah, nah. I guess it looks weird. You aren't a fan. I didn't really like it that either. I thought it was like Patrick Gleason it's, it's look. Like, uh, maybe, yeah. Uh, I liked it. Phil, do you like the the nineties uh, after the death of Superman and he had the hockey hair yes. and the black? That's Fuck great. Yeah. Guitar. That's great. And he had a gun. Of course, that was a great he had a gun. Like a blaster gun for like for ten like, for seconds. Like one, yeah. yeah, it's like for like a few minutes because uh, he 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 was getting his powers back, so he had to like defend himself. That's yeah. so funny. There's like a cover of him with a gun, though. I think, and I was just like, "This is weird." He looks like he looks like a he looks like a hockey player who <laughs> was a spy. Uh, so, in in that in that storyline, he goes with um, I think it's Superboy, Steel, and um, uh, Hal Jordan. This is before Hal Jordan goes off the deep end. Uh, they go to they go to Coast City, and Mongol has destroyed it. Hmm. Mogul, Mongol, Mongol. Mongol, yeah. um, and so Superman has to he has to like have somebody carry him and and he gets like strapped to go take on Mongol. <laughs> um, so that's a oh uh, did you have I have, one? A, I, have a, I have a story real quick real quick uh, at New York Comic Con uh, I, I ran to Philip Seavey, friend of the show and I gave him money for a commission and told him give me your favorite Superman. And that was the one he gave me, which still sits on my shelf. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Um, That's a great look. What a unique piece of art. Um, I wasn't crazy about the um, energy Superman from the 90s either. Uh, Superman Red, Superman That's also wrong. They're they're okay. I don't Uh hate them. Uh, However, what what I don't like is the Iron Spider. Which one? Ah, uh, yeah. I I've, I've never been a big fan of the Iron Spider. The Civil War it's okay. Spider-Man. Oh, I that's one of my favorites. Really? It's cool, but Yeah. I thought it when it when it first came out, I thought it was the coolest thing. Oh, I hated oh, the it. Red and gold thing? Yeah. I I just, I just looked at it. it. Eh, not 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 a fan. 
my uh mine's a spider-man pick too i wanted to see like what was the worst one and it, it's uh i didn't really think about this one much until they put it in the ps4 game but the uh the ghost spider it's like the ghost rider yeah, it's not great it's so basic like you know like spider-man his costume is so cool and it's so easy to iterate on it that's why there's so goddamn many of them and this it's just like okay what if you get rid of his eyes and just put a skull face on him and then he's in a white onesie it's it's a it's not good. Um, it's not good at all. That said, uh, the the classic symbiote Spider Man is like greatest all of all time. Like, look. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? It's like you can strip away all of the color and all the the frills and like the eyes and the chest is like the thing, you know. So like when you mess with that, it's it's that it doesn't work. Um, you mean like the the straight black and white one? Yeah, yeah, yeah like the yeah. symbiote costume okay. is like that's so fucking classic. That's good. Um, there was a 90s Thor look uh, that I put in our chat. That was really bad. Uh, Eric. Uh, oh, my Eric God. Yes. <laughs> I remember this. What the fuck? It's, yeah, I know. I, I guess I've never seen that one. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Is this from the you, 90s? Yeah. Yes. This is 90s as fuck. Yep. My man, yeah, you can't is. tell. <laughs> look at, yeah. What do you mean? Look at his leg straps. <laughs> <laughs> Like, is there is there needless leather belts? Then yeah, yes, it's probably a nineties drawing. Um, I like the shoulder I've never, pads. I've never liked Cable. Like, just his yeah. look. Yeah, yeah, just his look. I like. Well, I him. mean, in general, he's fine. But he's cool, I guess. I, I like Cable. Fine. Um, I'll tell you what. I feel like a lot of X Men characters don't have like really bad looks. Um, like so, nineties costumes are often not very popular, but. Like Jim Lee's '90s X-Men are some of the best looks, and you think of a character like Storm, who like has nothing but good looks, like her '80s Mohawk look. That dude, the '80s Mohawk is the best Storm. Are you kidding me? So like, she just looks like she hangs out in a punk biker gang, (laughs) and I'm all about it. So like, for whatever reason, (laughs) X-Men characters don't have bad looks. Like even like the the fucking Frank Quietly new X-Men, where they're all like wearing leather, like looks good too. That was good. I the they have some weird ones for sure like uh the the Wolverine where he for whatever reason didn't have a nose for a long time. What? Have you you don't know about this? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't like know what you mean. Like He legitimately he just like walked around without a nose for a while and it's considered like a Wolverine look. He's like Krillin. What? <laughs> Aw, Krillin. He doesn't have a nose, which is why he was able to beat Bacterium in the first martial arts tournament in Dragon Ball. Yo, oh, that's talk right. about talk about redesigns that I hate when they gave Krillin hair. Oh yeah. No, no. I was about that. No, that's dude. when they I let was definitely Krillin about retire. That. And they put my man in khakis. Like, yes, get out of here. That was peak Krillin. Honestly, no, dude. Honestly, that that Krillin is Pete because he retired from martial arts to be a stay-at-home dad while his <laughs> kick-ass wife did all the cool shit. <laughs> yeah, I'll take yeah. that. <laughs> Sarah is kick ass. <laughs> uh, I just put it in the chat. Okay. See this. Dude, that's a monster. What the fuck is that? <laughs> it's still loading. Whoa, what the <laughs> fuck? He looks like a gorilla. Uh, we'll tweet we'll some I'll, of these pictures I'll, out for you guys at home to see. Um, yeah, I'll I'm put- showing it to the YouTube people i'll put one more so it's not uh 
So it's so you know it's not a one-off. The, and I don't know what the fuck is going on in this one. The the, the Ultimate X Men had pretty good looks too. And you know what? A lot of Ultimate Marvel characters. I wasn't super crazy about uh, their looks. My he straight up looks like a monkey. My thing. My thing about the Ultimate uh, line was the civilian clothes, especially from Bigley. Oh, like civilian that dude Wolverine draws cool. the worst fashion. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, to be fair, to be fair, the book took place in 2000, which had the worst fashion. Like, a, a lot of cinematic Marvel bases, like, the aesthetic on Ultimate Marvel, which is a shame. Fortunately, that didn't happen with Ultimate Iron Man, which looks like shit. Looks bad. Yeah. Did, did you guys like when uh, Beast became a cat? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I dig it. Is yeah. that right? I dig it. That was Grant, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it no, it was before, further. wasn't it? Nah, it was Grant. Oh really? Yeah. I, Grant and then uh, Joss, I think, kind of pushed it a little bit further. Yeah, and astonishing. And there yeah. was all that shit where it was like <laughs> his his girlfriend was potentially going to go to jail for bestiality and everything. <laughs> That's <What>? right. <laughs> That's like a thing that happened in the X Men. <laughs> uh, this is this looks like shit, Kale. <laughs> I didn't draw it. What do you? Don't blame me. <laughs> Not blaming you. It just looks like shit. <laughs> this is great, viewers. This is great. We'll, we'll post some I of these, and we'll, we'll post can. some of these so yeah, y- y- y'all can call and take a look at it. But it's what if I did wild. draw it? <laughs> like this was Kale like showing oh, us oh. off. He's like, oh, this is like a look oh. for Wolverine. Can, He's just gauging our reaction can, to it. Can we have? <laughs> it's totally not cool. Can we have a competition for when this episode drops of drawing our own shit Wolverines? Oh, oh yeah, that'd God. be great. Everybody, everybody, draw in the your be- Everybody in the Discord, draw your best Wolverine. We're, share it. we're reviewing Wolverine number one by Ben Percy. So in the spirit, we have to draw our Best worst Wolverines. Oh, best, worst why don't Wolverines. we do that on the break? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, that's a great idea. <laughs> now pivoting away from that wackiness. Mm, no, thank go- you. Mm, yes, <laughs> let's keep going to another sucks. kind of wackiness: Strange Adventures, and specifically the Mitch Strad, Tom King, and Doc Shaner story. So. This dropped a trailer recently. Uh, I kind of just wanted to talk about it because I feel like not a lot of books do get trailers. So kind of just wanted to gauge your reaction. I know we've been kind of excited about it, but does this do anything to amplify that? I think book trailers are super interesting because I don't, I can't think of a book trailer that's ever made me go, oh shit, I gotta go buy that book. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm always like more excited to see them because they're novel. You know, yeah, because yeah. it's like they should do this. This is a thing that should be happening. But I agree with Kale in general, where I feel That's like good. <laughs> in this in this instance, I'll say, uh, just because if it's a book that you're already excited for, it's cool. But I've never had a book that I had zero interest in where I see one of these trailers and I'm like, "That's the one." Yep. Yeah. So it's like i'm glad that they're doing them because i feel like comics need to experiment with more kinds of marketing but it it's interesting that this is where motion comics went yeah like it's just for trailers now but i don't i don't really care i didn't i don't miss motion comics I'm, that's something i'm glad went away yeah i don't I think i don't that. think it's totally gone uh have you guys ever heard of made fire yes oh angel yeah, fire they, liam, they do a lot of stuff liam sharp uh helped start it and when when it started i think it was when i was in school it was really bad but now it apparently like 
it has like music as a, a background to the comic and oh. uh it's yeah it's really interesting so I, I i don't think it's gone but i think it's evolved to a, a place where it's at least interesting yeah i i had that app a few years ago i didn't really dig the aesthetic so i, I i'm glad to yeah. hear that they changed it up though it's that, that that's interesting like i've watched one or two motion comics you know like i know there was that astonishing x-men yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and uh spider woman did one i think yeah and there was like a thor and loki one like there were a few on netflix back in the day and like they're That's fine right. but i just they feel like a half measure right like it's like be a comic or be animation or be neither yeah and, and i think that the difficulty is also because it's guided whereas yeah comics reading is sort of you 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 handle the pace a lot yeah. of the time it misses something right i I don't care about motion comics. I've never watched one. I'd rather just read a comic book. But with regard to this one, I I don't know. I I worry that Tom King's shtick is kind of dried up. He kind of does a lot of the same stuff, and this seems like a uh, an allegory. This is my impression based on the trailer. I could be completely wrong, but my impression is that this is a story about like a war hero, and he's not really a war hero, but I feel like that's how he's going to be kind of boxed like this war Mm. hero who comes home and then like the media shits on him so it's gonna be some kind of weird commentary on the nature of media and our coverage of like war and stuff and it's i'm kind of like is that really something i'm interested in nah it's gonna be a commentary on media coverage of uh heroes in crisis (laughs) oh my god that actually could be true (laughs) let's give him a break we're gonna we're gonna be the we're gonna be the stars of that of that book (laughs) yeah like Adam Strange is going to come on the podcast and fight us. <laughs> I think I think we do got to just see where it goes, you know, because it's like he's had two misses recently, but I, I don't think that means he's not capable of delivering. This is more in his mm, wheelhouse definitely. again, you know, like he is better at, you know, maxi series that are character studies, you know, so I think letting him get back to that and not be stretched thin on a monthly Batman book that he probably was never really suited for and an event which is a thing that i'm really not interested in at all from him you know like it seemed great at the time but now seeing it it's like i just don't think that's how he writes i don't think that's where he thrives yeah so like i think this is something that we could see you know potentially be like the tom king that we were such big fans of you know so i i want to give it a shot i want to give it a fair shake and not like be dunking on him because he had some misses you know like there's no writer that we like that hasn't written something that's not great the problem is that a lot of the misses are like it's been a lot lately. Like even Mister Miracle had its warts on it, and I, I I worry that he's been doing too much of the same type of thing. That like it's a one hit wonder, you know. And I I I think that's a reasonable um, point to bring up. I just think like I want to give him this before I even really like make commentary on that, you know? Because it's like the things that have been flops were recent, but they were also things that were outside his wheelhouse, you know. And I think, like, let's see how this lands. Like, let's see what this is like and then revisit that conversation. That's my two cents on it. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I enjoyed Mr. Miracle. Uh, I don't think it had the same sort of, uh, it, it had the same sort of impact as his his earlier work. But I think it was, I think it was so decent. So yeah, I, I'm with you, Pete. I, I think there's definitely a lot of potential in in this character, especially considering you know he likes his character studies, his maxi series. Like it's in his wheelhouse, so definitely something 
that I think um, we can look forward to. And we don't have long to wait. March 4th, y'all, going to be oh, brought out under DC's Black Label. That's two weeks from it's, now. Yeah, so I wonder if we could do it on the show. Yeah, we should read that on the show. Oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Too late. This is a tyranny. Uh, nope. Okay. Not, took over. not for this purpose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so just when it works for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, speaking of some other books that are going to be coming out, we have Lock and Key, which being published by IDW, interesting a lot, interestingly enough, is going to have a crossover under the Sandman Universe banner. So I don't know if you guys saw the the image for, for this, but on the cover of the actual announcement, you have the key to hell. And obviously, Lock and Key is all about keys and shit like that. And this was interesting because it's the same one that Lucifer gives over to Sandman in the, uh, in the original run. And leaves him all of hell to just own does anyone have any thoughts on on this crossover cool it's like it, it's cool i just i don't really have much attachment to either of these properties so like it's neat that joe hill is kind of like leveraging his relationship with dc and this obviously long-running series he has at idw cool for him like i'm it's great for the fans. It's just not something that gets like a pop out of me. That's that. That's a good point. This is a Joe Hill joint. Yep. Yeah. It's it's gonna yeah, be. He's, it. he's gonna be writing it, and he's coming back with Gabriel Rodriguez, the original artist, as well. All right. Uh, it it doesn't pop my bubble or anything, but that that is interesting. Yeah, it's neat. Like it's cool. It, it reminds me a lot of when um when Kirkman was still working at Marvel, like he had Invincible crossover with Spider-Man for like a one issue thing. And it was like a big deal at the time, you know, it's like, yeah, like this is sweet. Like if you're a lock and key person, I'm sure this gets a rise out of you. So, um, especially like with the show out and everything, which obviously we didn't love so much, but, um, yeah, it's cool. Um, Mark, are you excited for this? This is kind of your wheelhouse, baby. Yeah, you I love am. both of these properties, yeah. don't you? I'm I'm super excited for this. And I think the the reveal that the key is related directly to the the key to hell, I think that's wild. Uh I don't know what kind of implications it has for the Sandman universe and what it sort of means for the lock and key universe, but really, really interesting. So yeah, I'm super excited for this book. It's gonna be coming out in October. And just interesting to have, you know, these two publishers have this crossover event. It's not something that's typical. They did something with Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well. Right. But apparently, apparently has been super successful. It was. Yeah. yeah, It was like a huge seller. Yeah. My my friend Jared is like a huge TMNT fan and he said it's actually been really good. Mm -hmm. It's not like groundbreaking, but it's a fun crossover, you know? Wild. It's for me. That's on the same level of like uh, the Justice League and the Power Rangers. It's just like it's it's a crossover that I don't want. I don't really <laughs> care about. Nah, it's cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Give me um, Jetsons and the Flintstones. Now that's a crossover. You see, that makes sense. Oh, that makes that's sense. a great crossover. No, no, Yogi Bear and uh, Huckleberry Hound. That makes sense. Uh. Uh, the Comics Pals and any other podcast. Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. 
That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of things that make sense and the people who fix them, editors, uh, Alex Antone has joined Skybound coming from DC as their senior editor. Now, this is kind of random, but it's interesting specifically because he is joining under SVP and editor-in-chief Sean Makowitz, who they're looking to expand the company's publishing line, specifically the the tandem team of Skybound and Image. And I know we've had conversations in the past just in terms of how Image sort of, since the, the hiatus on Saga, some of the major books like Walking Dead ending, Invincible, Invincible ending, there's sort of a gap to fill. So just curious on your thoughts as to what do you think that they, the the holes that they need to plug? So it's interesting because Skybound, while being an image imprint, is also like a much bigger company than a lot of the other, because like Top Cow is in a similar kind of, you know, their, space. Their image as well, yeah. Yeah, right. And there's a few of those. Um, I think Wildstorm where, is? Yeah, I think so. But either there's at least one or two other ones that are, you know, it's this is this person's imprint and it's also their own company. Yeah. But like Robert Kirkman has made Skybound like a multifaceted production company, you know, like they did that movie Air, I think it was with Norman Reedus. Like there's um, they've published a bunch of video games now. They've published some board games and card games and stuff. So like they've kind of got their hands in a lot of pies. So like, you know, getting Alex Antone in there to like be able to, you know, I think focus on getting some more properties going because like obviously they've got like Oblivion Song and, um, you know, like uh, Die, 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 you know, and some of like Kirkman's other stuff. And there's like a few other books from like well-known creators, but not stuff that's really like hit on the same level as some of the stuff that you're talking about, you know, that's going away now. So like getting another like heavy hitting comics person in there is like definitely a good move because Skybound's super successful. They have a ton of resources and, you know, they've gotten behind a lot of good stuff and, and like made it happen. So I think like getting somebody with his kind of experience and vision is like, you know, a slam dunk for them. Yeah. And actually to your point, Pete, um, Hannah Armour, who has come from Conan O'Brien's team Coco. She was a part of the digital team as well as a producer there. She's actually joined the company as a creative executive for film and television. And she's going to be working under the co-presidents who are going to be uh, working with Universal as well as Amazon on first look film and first look television deals. So, yeah. And they're, they're already working with Amazon uh, on the Invincible show, mm-hmm. the animated series. So, yeah. And I, I know that they mentioned that they're also, they're partnering with Schmodown, um, which is like a YouTube channel that does like a bunch of movie content and stuff. So, yeah, they, they're doing a lot of shit. Oh, is that what that is? I was trying to figure that out. Yeah, like, I can't remember the name of the shows that they've done, but you've probably heard of them. They're they're one of those YouTube shows that, like, it's popular and a lot of people are on it, you know? Okay. Um, But, like, they've done, they do, like, movie trivia shows and, like, you know, like, some, like, game show kind of stuff. And um, I think they have their own board game and shit. Like, it seems like a a company that makes sense for them to work with. Yeah. And, um,. I mean, yeah, a lot coming from Skybound. Obviously, as Pete mentioned, they're a huge multifaceted company. So not just in comics, but they're making moves everywhere. Yeah, like shit. Like when uh, Telltale Games went under, they like bought <laughs> the Walking Dead 
game back and we're like, we're going to finish it and put together a studio and stuff. Like they're doing all kinds of stuff. They're all over the place these days. And a lot of the work that they have done is like high quality stuff. I wonder if they're sort of feeling around for, for like the next big success. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't really feel like image has had that. In, they haven't had a big hit in a while. In a minute, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the talent there is kind of like simmered down, or at least the the books coming out sort of sort of simmered down. They're not making the same kind of noise. That's what it feels like. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but it definitely like nothing. Nothing seems to be uh, ringing as popular as as it did. Well, wait till you know. Wait till you guys see my image book that's going to be hitting the shelves soon. It's about a soccer-playing koala bear, and the book's about climate change. What's it called? Marsupial Pele. (laughs) I was really hoping you had a better part. I wasn't ready. (laughs) (laughs) Half-baked bullshit. Phil, your your book is out of here he, well here's the thing you get this great new editor hey, surely he'll help you work out the title yeah, yeah definitely yeah. Yeah. workshop it with yeah you. there you go who who do you want on art um um eli valley <laughs> he's a is that a joke yeah it's not a name i know uh he's oh. a dude who makes a lot of comics on twitter uh, about how anti-semitic trump is <laughs> Oh, okay. okay. All right. Great. Yeah. Cool. Good opportunity for both of you guys. Yeah. You know? Really thought you were going to go with Frank Wiley there, but. Yeah, but that's like a like real thing. Frank. Frank's not. He's busy. <laughs> with real shit. He's working on stupid koala book. He's painting hotels in uh, Glasgow. Well, Phil, if, uh, if you're going to be putting out a book, you're going to need someone to publish it. But unfortunately, Dan Didio can't help you with that. Look at these transitions. God damn it, Marco. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so. <clears throat> Dan Didio, age 60, who has been a co-publisher. Is this an obituary? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might as well be. He's, he's he survived by tragic- Jim Lee. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been, he's been the publisher at, at DC alongside Jim Lee uh, since 2010 and has been at the company overall about 18 years. But my dude has stepped away. There have been no announcements, only theories, and nobody knows why and i want to first get your feelings as to how how this news has hit you i so i have been pretty on record throughout like my whole uh pundit career and this is going back to like the big glasgow radio show uh that i did way back in fucking 2015 um i am not a ddo fan we know at all we know but (laughs) Well, on that same level as like Lobdell. We know. Dude, <laughs> dude, uh, dude, to me, doesn't have respect for the characters that have, you know, carried this brand. And um, I uh, I don't know. I, I And I've softened on that stance. I'm still not a huge fan, but um, this, I think the, the, the comics quote unquote journalist in me has has made me really curious about this because the like everything else i've read has said that he was doing work on friday morning and then it was that he's left right yeah they they announced it literally 
10 30 in the morning nobody knew why he didn't know why or at least he didn't nobody knew beforehand and he just stepped out yeah so um i read the the bleeding cool article about it that offers like a little bit of context too um as well as rumors yeah yeah, sure oh yeah i was gonna get to that after the like we just got like hot takes yeah okay all right so i mean it's one of those things where like based on what i read there it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like losing him is going to be the worst thing in the world right and i know that he's a figure who is kind of like divisive you know like we were talking about in our discord there was a lot of people who were like good we're great to see him it's glad to see him gone and even rob liefeld was tweeting about how much he didn't like him and you know so like rob liefeld doesn't like anybody though right exactly uh, the guy has his detractors. He's I guess the is my point. Rob Liefeld is the me of comic books. <laughs> That's accurate. Hmm. Um, you wear a lot less leather jewelry than he does, but uh, oh, I'm, not, I'm not at that age. It's not age appropriate yet. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're older than him. Um, but that that in mind, right? Like, I th- I think when you have somebody that is that divisive and has been in the role for a really long time, and you know, like we've talked about how DC's in this process of like shaking things up and rebuilding, like it's not surprising to see that like some of the old guard is not going to stick around. And I think whether or not that's a good thing depends on your opinion of the guy and your opinion on what's been going on at DC lately and you know, who replaces him, you know? So like my hot take is like, I don't know, man, I think we got to wait and see what the fallout of this is before we can really comment on if it's good or bad or whatever, because from our position as commentators, like we don't really know like which decisions we don't like fall to him or don't necessarily. So like, who knows how much him leaving is even going to change things? Right, right. Um, it's it's probably it's probably significant. It's probably overdue, is what I'm thinking. And I I have mixed feelings on on Dandadio. Um, but I feel like. DC Comics kind of stagnated under him a little. Uh, And obviously some of that is not entirely his fault. Uh, They seem to have more hands-on people at Time Warner uh, impacting their Mm -hmm. day-to-day than Marvel does from Disney. Um, Though I don't... That's that's completely anecdotal. Um, But Marvel has changed... Uh, you know, editors in chiefs twice since Didio was has been editor in chief there, and to, granted mixed results, but I think it's really important for such a important leadership position as that to try to get a new voice in there in a somewhat frequent, uh, semi frequent basis. You know, I think of an analogy in sports where you know when you have a guy running a sports team. Like, they ultimately just have a shelf life no longer than 10 years because ultimately you need a fresh pair of eyes, a fresh pair of ears, and a different perspective on how to run something like that. Yeah. I feel like that applies here as well. In, in, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say quickly, just one, one, one thing. Uh, I, I haven't seen any, like, you know major creator you know hot takes i i I don't know if anyone would would say something shitty 
about him. You know, I guess it depends on the creator, but you know, not everybody's a Rob Liefeld. But yeah. Scott Snyder, you know, said that he, you know, uh, Didio really helped champion some of his books, and and but at the same time that they would have arguments that went nuclear. And I don't know that that doesn't that doesn't always strike me as a good thing, right? But, but I th- I do think the point there, which was shared across many creators' uh, statements, is just that this dude he does have a passion for for what he does. So you know, love him, love him or hate him, it seems like he's at at least a, a good enough leader to inspire performance you know yeah and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because um one of the one of the things the bleeding cool article discusses is actually that uh, uh allegedly one of the reasons why he may have been fired was because he was quote fostering a poor work environment so to that point um there's there's speculation that that was likely what it was um specifically around the launch of 5g which is you know the the generation five that the new sort of thing that's coming down down the line and uh, it was because of heated arguments with Scott Snyder and and, and their creative differences on that so hmm. yeah and, and just like an, another interesting wrinkle there yeah and it said um it said that one of the things that was like relevant to the poor work environment was that he had a reputation for being a micromanager and that he would be like very involved in other people's projects. So, I mean, that's, again, I think to the point that Kale made before, aside from being someone who can be like argumentative or whatever, that can make them tough to work with. I think also having someone who, you know, breathing down your neck the whole time. Yeah. Right. Especially in a creative environment is not helpful. Um, Things that Warner Brothers have been very strange the last few years, obviously, with everything happening with their DC Comics film division. And just everything that's been happening with publication, everything that fell out with Jeff Johns and his role in both the publishing and the movies has been very peculiar. And uh, uh, what was her name? Um, uh, I wanted to say Shelley Bond. No, I wanted to say Kathleen Turner, but it's obviously not her. Um, oh, the the Nelson something Nelson. Yes. The the was she the president? I think she was like oh yeah yeah like vice president or something, but her her fallout and all this was really strange um and there's like a lot of editorial departure recently yeah. too yes and actually the guy we were talking about um uh anton i forget, I forget his name alex, right. anton. alex anton he actually right was, who left dc to go to skybound right, right exactly so yeah. i mean probably a good move <laughs> the, yeah. the trees are, are shaking and things are falling out and it's strange well, and that on top of, you know, Vertigo shutting down, yes. as well as, you know, some of the weird stuff with Young Animal and, and uh, you know, like I like, like I brought up uh, Shelley Bond, you know, and that whole thing a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I, I totally forgot that he was the dude that removed Vertigo as a, as a line. So, fuck him. <laughs> um, Marco, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so Attaboy. what i really appreciate about the show is the nuance discussion <laughs> so Listen, the, the time for nuance is over 
God, is that a fucking like? Is that a like? It was a threat. Yeah, is that a threat? <laughs> An ultimatum. So, I I, I did uh, I did want to ask you guys in in light of this, looking back at New Fifty Two and Rebirth, how has that impact affected what you guys believe will be the future of uh of DC? The future. Consider. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, 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 looking back at that, his creative decisions, and then considering Where we're at now, right? I don't know how you can project the future of DC with Dan DiDio out because his he's been part of it for so exactly. long. Exactly, and I mean, you can uh, you can analyze. I mean, it, it, I think the conversation between having a requiem for his era of DC versus what's next for DC are two different things. So you can you can look at his publishing history is a mixed bag. Granted, there were some really good things that came out of it. Obviously, uh, he was editor in chief during the rise of Jeff Johns. Um, after a really tumultuous breakup between Marvel and Grant Morrison, countless amazing books came out under his banner of DC by Grant. Um, New 52 was controversial, but it followed up with DCU and rebirth that a lot of people did really like. Um, and I don't know how much of that was really his decision in the first place. Uh, now, and I think I think that's I think that's the struggle with with this conversation is what was him versus what was Jim Lee, what was Jeff Johns, what was the you know the random guy that signs the checks at Time Warner? Like, yeah, yeah, we'll never know. With, re- you with know? regard to what's next, the answer is it's not Dan DiDio. Uh and that's what makes it really challenging. We have a, a few ideas on stuff they plan on doing, like 5G. Um, but beyond... But who knows if that'll even come to fruition. Exactly. Now. You know, like... And it's also like, is Jim Lee going to stick in the position alone? Yep. Are they going to replace Dan Didio? Are they going to get rid of Jim Lee at some point? Like, who knows? Like, and from here, it's, it's really a big question mark. Um, but in terms of, like commentary on his era it's tough because i think it is like a mixed bag you know like i remember when i was really getting into like comic books you know journalism or criticism or commentary whatever you want to call what we do like dc punditry what's that punditry sure punditry um dc was on the bottom you know like they 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 were getting their clock cleaned and in the last couple years like your mileage may vary on how it's all turned out, but like there have been a lot of really good runs and good initiatives and like talent coming to DC. And so, I mean, like it hasn't been all bad, right? Like yeah. you might be able to point to things that haven't worked, but to Phil's point, you can probably point to as many things that did um, like stuff like young animal and, you know, Hill house and all that. Like that's all stuff that did happen under this leadership banner. So like it wasn't a regime totally devoid of good ideas. Um, so, like, is this good? Is this bad? I think that depends a lot on what happens next. And we won't really know what the fallout of this is for probably another year or so, right? Because someone new's got to come in. They're going to probably axe a bunch of stuff. And then we'll see a bunch of new initiatives. And we'll see what actually plays out. Um, yeah. Uh, it, on first glance, it is a little concerning in light of all the house cleaning that's taking place. But that house cleaning could be a positive. Like I said, DC might yeah, just ultimately yeah. really need house cleaning. Yeah. And I mean, you see that a lot with companies that are like, 
legacy companies like this where you have people that are older that have been in a role for so long that like at some point it's time to pass the torch you know the human torch um, <laughs> yes that's the wrong publisher <laughs> sure what a metaphor um, you know and like sometimes you just need new blood and like sometimes that's the right move young blood I uh, what's weird though closer is that it just it just happened like that's yeah yeah, that's yeah. The thing. that's and the... like and it was he was surprised by it you know like or we were surprised by it everybody was fucking surprised by it yeah yeah so I mean that's that's kind of that to me is the most concerning thing about anything yeah right is that like it feels like decisions are be just being made you know and like if they're cleaning house because they think that there needs to be a new era at DC fine but man uh, on some level it feels like reshuffling deck chairs on the titanic Mm -hmm. yep yeah yeah that 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 to me was the most concerning part was that again it just happened um but i'm curious what you guys think as to whether or not jim lee will carry it alone or if you think he'll do it with somebody else and if you do think he'll do it with somebody else who do you think at dc is primed to fill that no idea man I I have no I have no idea on who I think would take well, this uh, like, like 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 just like to guess at it like, like like if you had to like pick somebody to do to to be there my first thought would be Jeff Johns but I feel like he's lost favorability yep. Yep. over there yeah well, that's he, that's how it seems and well, I, I think the the whole the whole shuffling of everything makes it seem like everything is so uncertain to answer the other part of your question because again I just don't really have a prediction for who could take that place I don't think Jim Lee will do it by himself. He's been doing it as a co-editor for so long. Eight years. The idea of him... Eight what's years. That? Eight years is a long time. And to imagine that he's just going to take it over 100%, like, all, all of a sudden he's doing twice as much work. Are they going to pay him twice as much? You know, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like that's a good deal for Jim Lee unless he really wants the creative control or he's going to get paid more money. So I have to imagine that he's going to want someone to come up and take some of that share of work off his plate, or he's going to walk away. That would be my um, guess. He's a really thrifty businessman. Um, he Because I've, I've heard him talk about his kind of career before, and he has a, a real savvy for this kind of stuff. Wouldn't be surprised if he did it by himself, and if he made more money for it. Sure. Totally possible. Sure. Yeah. I I like the idea of Jeff Johns. Um, I think I think uh, a lot of there's a lot of evidence to to put Jeff Johns as like a, a pretty likely successor in this role. And even if you take out like the you know the the Dan Didio banner of it all, like Johns stuff for the most part has been successful. Yeah. You know, his his work at DC, you know, his Green Lantern run, uh his various crises. Uh we we were talking in the Discord channel about uh, Forever Evil. Um like uh, of all the things that Jeff Johns has done, like his his talent for for putting things together that that feel good as well uh, as that feel good for now as well as sort of looking at the history of DC comics uh, has a good, a good track record. 
Um, and so I, I, I could, I could see that being a, a good and likely choice. Mm-hmm. With that uh, in mind, what if it's Brian Michael Bendis? <laughs> then we're fucked. Oh my god, that's actually possible. Like, <laughs> that's what I was, that, I was hoping someone would bring that up. Like, what if that's the I, primary? That's literally, where I was going. What if that's the primary motivator of why he went to DC? Is that like there was his editorial promise? Jesus Christ. I mean, the the thing too is like he's got Fraction there now. Rucka's back. We it's could, like, yeah, I'm reassembling could, the team. We could be looking at 2000s Marvel at DC. That sounds awful, man. Ugh. <laughs> I like Fraction though. <laughs> yeah, Fraction would be cool. Um, somebody in the Discord also floated Kurt, uh, not Kurt Busiek. Oh yeah, uh, Busiek. Yeah, Busiek. Yeah. I thought uh, that'd be yeah, neat. They, that would be cool. He does have similar to John's. I think he does have a real, uh, a real uh, track record, a real track record, a real healthy knowledge of of the history. But it was also brought up that he he does have uh, real health problems, so he probably mm. probably wouldn't want to do that. It's important to keep. I don't know, it's really man. important to keep in mind that you can be a talented, creative person who is has a track record of selling books. But it's a different thing altogether to to be editor in chief of a publishing company, um, and I don't know. Jeff obviously is he was what CCO at DC and he was doing stuff in the film division, so he at least has kind of like a more corporate background uh, the last five or six years. But like Buziak, you know, I don't know. Bendis certainly doesn't. If he got it, it's just because of his sheer clout in comic books. Yeah. I think Busick's done a few things like that over the years. Yeah. I'd have to I'd have to look at his history, but I think he's done one or two things like that. I, I love the idea, like, like if if Bendis does become an editor, like, can you imagine if he was really good at it? It's just like, yeah, he's got no more writing left in him. <laughs> yeah, he can just manage. <laughs> well, he can just manage can other manage, people's I stories. This is a man who but doesn't it, do homework when he writes anyway, so he's not going to do any homework I as know, an editor. I know. <laughs> Damn. But the dude's got you know a following of creators and you know not only with the ones he knows the ones that he inspires yeah i mean that's that's not nothing certainly something yeah so unfortunately time will tell uh that or time will tell when bendis finally takes the chair man oh my god we'll see We need someone who really respects the characters. Uh, hello, have you, you know? not met Bendis? I think that's why I'm siding with you, Marco. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Exactly. I, yeah. Hello. I think Canadian Wolverine should be the editor in chief of DC. Oh, Canadian Wolverine, give us a give us a taste of that as we get into our Wolverine number one review, Philly. Oh yeah, that's a great book you got there, Jeff. Let's share a Molson. We'll go over the rest. I wouldn't change a bit. He kind of sounds like that Rick and think... Morty character, Mr. Poopy Butthole. Ooh wee! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there I go killing again. That's Wolverine. That's Wolverine. Yeah. All right, ladies and gents, we're back, and uh, we have a little bit of a surprise for you guys. We we took a little break and decided to draw our best shittiest Wolverine, and. I don't know how much of a surprise it is. You told them we yeah, were doing it. Yeah, it's not a surprise at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's fulfilling a promise, the really. Promise oh, that's a surprise, I guess. 
So we're going to do for the YouTube viewers here a quick reveal. We're also going to put this on, on social media so you guys can look at, you know, how artistically incredible we are. Yeah, and we're just uh, such talents. Please also draw your best bad Wolverine. Yes. And uh, we will we'll make a hashtag on our Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. Yeah, we'll, we'll share, share Twitter. the best ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. All right. So we'll talk about it next week. I'm going to go first. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's like not bad. He has a Batman head. He I does know. have a Batman head. <laughs> that was the thing. It's it was so like, little. shit. I know. I messed up the head, but I feel like I'm, I'm proud of the. I'm proud of the arms. The yeah, arms and the bad. feet. The, the belt, like the it's belt, not right? Terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was happy with it. I was happy worse? with it. A lot worse. All right. So who's next? All right. Here's mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> he looks, he's got like Mickey Mouse yeah, feet. He looks like he looks like he could be a Merry Melody character. I'm looking at mine. I don't know if I went bad enough. <laughs> Bob. He, he, it looks like he's saying Bob. Yeah, it does. <laughs> no, it's you. He he looks like he could be in uh, the Squirrel Nut Zippers music video for the Ghost of Stephen Foster. Also, like the the like the the mask thing, like they just look like horns. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that are that might be connected to the eyes. <laughs> it's not good. It's, it's not, not good clear. At all. Uh, Pete, uh, Pete, I'm glad we both went for the X across the chest. Yeah, uh, Kill. Yeah. You want to go next? I, I got think the, you I got the go rib next. lines. I you know I forgot the belt, but I got the rib okay, lines. Okay, guys, here's my Wolverine. What the hell am I looking at? You get center it more. Oh, uh, it's terrible. There he is. Yeah, here's his head. What? <laughs> here's his body. He's holding a beer. He's got the maple. He's leaf. got a maple leaf, and he's got a nice little beaver <laughs> front next to him playing hockey. <laughs> Dude, what's he's bootylicious. Yeah, I gave him a big old this doink. A, that's horrible. That's horrible. He is very chubby too. I like that you made the like low effort to put like wings on his boots or whatever, but otherwise he's just like a fat dude in a Oh t-shirt. yeah, he's wearing ice skates too. Oh great. Uh, uh, that all important detail. He's got a grease stain on his shirt. <laughs> that's what that was. <laughs> So yeah, oh this God. is this is my Canadian Wolverine. Can we see his face again? Like, just pull pull it out a little bit. Pull it out, you know. There he is. Oh my God, <laughs> it looks like an owl. He doesn't have a mouth. It does look like an owl. It just looks it like just a looks whole like an owl owl's on top of a fat man. Yep. <laughs> there he is. Okay. <laughs> I'm really well proud done. Of that well guy. done. Right, oh, Kale. No. Mine's accidentally too good. <laughs> Oh, okay. Accidentally. <laughs> He's like, I'm so talented. <laughs> yeah, that is too good. Damn, oh, that yeah, does look a really lot good. better yeah. than all of ours. <laughs> What's he saying? So he says, I'm I'm the best at honking your mama. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that classic Wolverine line, he says, It's it's what I do. I'm the best at honking your mama. Alright, that's pretty good. <laughs> Damn, dude, he's like, he got it. the gloves right, like, the proportions, like, yes. Yeah, he's real short. He, oh, I think it's yeah, clear yeah. that Kale's yeah. the winner. Well, but, he's, but no, it I'm was the loser. still a bad Wolverine, yeah, so mine, you're actually the loser. 
So who yeah, had the you worst? You like you're at a bar and it's like someone told you to draw Wolverine and you're like, all right, let me try drawing Wolverine. I, yeah, I'm like, my artistic ability peaked at 14 and has not changed. <laughs> All right, so I mean, uh, let's all just show them to the camera one more time. You guys, let us know yeah. who the winner was, and/or you know? loser. Uh, so for me, oh man, I think for me, Pete's is the worst. It's pretty bad. Yeah, I think so. It's really bad. <laughs> I really like Pete's though. <laughs> See, I like yours. <laughs> it's charming. <laughs> yeah, Pete looks like his is a ska kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's just you're projecting, man. Yeah, no, I, I think, think you're projected. projecting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does All have right, like so, wrist he has like wristbands on. They look uh, like Wonder right Woman's to- bracelets more than anything. Yeah, he's deflecting bullets. <laughs> he's terrible. He's, he's deflecting bullets. Yeah, dude. He's gotta be ready to get in the pit and throw bows, you know? <laughs> throw claws. <laughs> oh shit! Wolverine drinks white claws. Oh no! Oh my god! god. I, would, I would give anything to drink a white claw. Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, bud. <laughs> and he never <laughs> has laws. You're so right. Oh my god! That's. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, here I go killing again. <laughs> <laughs> is this... So is that it? Should we even review the book? I feel like that's that's the peak it. Of that the was so right that there. was a review of Wolverine one in uh, in, in, <laughs> in graphic format. <laughs> Would you believe Benjamin Percy wrote all of that? <laughs> Hawking your mama. <laughs> oh so, um, so let's talk about the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that so, Canadian wait, wait, foul wait, wait, language. Wait. Write, write to us on who you thought had the best worst Wolverine. And like we said before, please give us your best Wolverines as well. Your best worst Wolverines. Best yeah. worst Wolverines. Yeah, I would desperately like to see some from the community. Hit us, to, send them in the Discord, or or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. Yep, excited yep. to see it. We'll, we'll, hash, we'll, we'll hashtag it, Bad Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best Bad Wolverine. Best hashtag bad, yeah, bad. Hashtag Best Bad Wolverine will do. All right. Hashtag Best Bad Wolverine. Nice. All right. So, uh, Benjamin Percy is the writer on this book alongside. Oh my God, I just had it and it went away. Benjamin Percy is the writer, and the art team is Adam Kubert, who is the artist, Frank Martin's Colors. No, and... it's it's Victor nope. Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. Uh, and then Matt, Adam Matthew Q- Wilson is the color artist, and Tom Mueller's yes. the designer. Kubert did yep. the first part. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Did he? I think yes, I'm looking cover. at the issue. Yeah, it's in the credits, my dog. On the back, it says the fucking credits and he's not listening. I don't, know, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Bogdanovich is on the second half. The second half. Oh, gotcha. This is, it's a two-part book. And we're going to talk about the first part, so I read the creative team of the first part. I understand. Okay. Hey, this is episode 174. Have we done this before? Nope. You would think. Good lord. I, I know we had, we we came off hot from uh, X-Force where Percy was also writing, so I'm curious how you guys think he handled Wolverine. I like this a lot more than X Force. Yeah. Oh. I was very, I was very into this. I, cool. I don't, I don't think it's the kind of thing that I would necessarily seek out on its own. Like, I don't know how interested I am in following this. Oh. But, okay. but like the stories and the work that were that was presented here, I thought was very, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I definitely agree. I, I thought it was really strong. Um. I I liked how he characterized Wolverine in both parts. 
um especially the 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 first half where he's like just happy and i i enjoy seeing that in wolverine because he's he's very much like a tragic character so he you know he's happy in his moments but then he has his like sadder more brooding moments and i think that's balanced really well I, I, it's what you like about me too it is well i think i think one of the best parts about wolverine is seeing him interact with younger mutants you know like uh uh kate and then wolver uh jubilee uh even x23 and like the younger uh mutants he's always know? he's always paired with young women and that always plays but i think yeah i think it's a it's a, a mentorship that doesn't ever really feel like it's gross right no, yeah because i don't i don't i don't think wolverine ever comes off as like a gross old man right you and know I think, I think that's what works about him like yeah. there's something very like fatherly about him yes you know like as much as he is like this very like tough character with a harsh exterior and he drinks bourbon and smokes cigars and all that kind of shit but like he's always been presented as like having like or not maybe not always but um for the better part of the character's history he's presented as being kind of nurturing you know as having a soft side and like the best of him is brought out when he's being able to like protect kids and be involved in like fostering like a better future for them you know and like having them learn from his mistakes he's a reluctant uncle yeah yeah and it's a good look on him you know and it always has been the so the story follows a it starts off with Wolverine being lost in like Alaska. The wet, the he's he's out in the snow. He's presumably been on a mission, and everybody there has just died. And uh, it continues on like through like a sort of a time jump where he's trying to investigate this drug called pollen. That alongside a new character we're being introduced to, Agent Bannister, is also trying to investigate. And I really like that concept that he's sort of come in as the, as much as he is the protector, right? Because Magneto like alludes to this. He's like, you have to go and investigate this kind of stuff. Uh, I I do like the fact that he's sent out on this mission, can kind of pull resources and do whatever. Like he's he's a cop basically. I like that. Yeah, yeah, you like cops, don't you? Lots of them. <laughs> no, I, I think it was fun that it was kind of like a it was kind of like a Nor story, you know, like it was really him being kind of like a detective, and that's fun. Uh, I'll tell you what, I think it's I thought it was like it was it, I was really hooked in by the choice of just having a <laughs> obliterated Wolverine to start the book. Yo, yeah, that opening healing up. That not to jump ahead to the art, but that opening page, like that art had me going. Like that was cool as hell. It's Buck Wild with that Terminator skeleton. Yep. Well, is that what you're talking about, Kale, when you say Wolverine doesn't have a nose? <laughs> That's where it started. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you guys think of uh Bannister? Like just being introduced to him. He kind of reminds me of uh, of the dude, right? Uh, that's what I was saying. Jeff Bridges. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely got Jeff Bridges energy. Uh, I thought he was fine. I think I think this story is sort of an a, an add on to that um, that whole floral enemy that you know Hickman has 
kind the, of developing the, in the background. Yeah, yeah, the greater plot of, you know, whatever that is going to be. And I, uh, I don't know. I, I, that part of the plot sort of is kind of hit or miss for me. Um, I, I, I can't say I was super interested in this character. I wasn't deeply invested in it, but I think it, it's not a bad idea to start introducing supporting characters who are humans that aren't antagonists. Because that's kind of an unexplored angle so far. In, <clears throat> excuse me. In the whole House of X thing is that, like, we know that there are humans that, like, worship the mutants like gods. And, like, we know that there are all of these groups that are out to hate them and, and kill them and vilify them. But we haven't really had many people who are like, what What does the average person think about the fact that like all of a sudden these mutant drugs are like saving their family members or saving their daughters, you know, like he doesn't seem like he's vehemently anti-mutant. And I think that that is a wrinkle that will end up being interesting because it adds a new dynamic to what's been going on in the X-Books. But it also serves as a good foil for Wolverine because we talked about how Wolverine is like a father you know like or, or, or a cool uncle right like he's he's a father figure to a lot of young mutants and uh and i think him being played against a father who's trying to save their kid is a, is a character that he can relate to yes yeah, yeah yeah that's a really good point uh especially considering when when you think like that he's gonna at some point you would assume probably align and do some shit yeah. together yeah you gotta um, imagine that their storylines are gonna converge right we we all agree that he's basically just Mitch Gerads, right? He does no, have the same facial hair. <laughs> Jeff Bridges. We already said that. No, but he's Jeff Bridges, man. <laughs> Look at him. He's the dude. So we, he said oh, that. sorry. I thought we agreed. Never mind. No, we already said that. All right. So there's this cult, the Order of X, and they uh, head over to infiltrate it because they assume that these guys are actually coming in and uh, disrupting the supply chain and sort of stealing away some of this pollen, some of this, uh, the flowers that do help provide uh, and make these life-altering drugs. Yo, what did you guys think of that sequence? Just, like, in general? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, like, or, yeah, that and, like, the idea of the order. So I, I this is another thing I was glad that we finally explored mm -hmm. because it's been something that's been talked about a lot in some of the... Not the back matter, but like the mid matter <laughs> that there yeah, are yeah. these humans that worship mutants as gods. Yeah. You know? But like we haven't really seen that amount to anything. You know, like the only humans we've really dealt with have been representatives of government organizations or criminals who are trying to like kill kill them or, or steal from them. Well, we've seen, yeah, we've seen one or two like little, it's sort of on the fringes, but we've never seen like a, a real uh, source of it. Yeah, you know, like we've never gone straight to the the hard stuff, and this is like this is some Trigon level shit. Oh, yeah, and like even just like establishing the idea that there's a hierarchy starting to grow, that there are like groups of them that are starting to organize, like that is a natural. <laughs> I hate to say, but like a natural evolution out of what's going on with mutants right now. So like seeing that finally come home to roost and you know, uh, manifest itself here is, like, something that, again, like, it feels like this book is serving a purpose, right? Besides just being, like, a good or, or, you know, at the very least serviceable Wolverine story, it is actually serving to 
like expand our knowledge of the broader plot of what's going on um, right now with House of M. Pete, way to jump into the mosh pit in this issue too. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All I could really think about is how pretty this book is. Man, yeah, like I, 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 I can definitely see how you got confused about Kubert versus Bogdanovich because they, like, there's not, there's nothing really differentiating their art. Like they look so similar. Like the scene where our X Men characters are introduced to the cult, like yeah, Domino that, and Jean Grey and Wolverine, that double spread, it's incredible. And not just that, but earlier in the issue, there was a fifteen panel double page spread. Yeah. Oh yeah. The- that was yeah. So that good. was so cool. That scene with him and uh, him and Kate. Also, yeah. I, I like how he's the only one who, when she calls when he calls her Kitty, she doesn't correct him. Yeah, oh, I didn't notice I mean, that. That makes sense. It's dad energy, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he says, like, what do you need, kitty? Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, and the fucking bar trick where she slams her hand on the glass and it phases through. I loved that, too. Instantly yeah. drunk. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then she, and then She's she like, gets... I've never liked the taste, and, like, I found a way that's more direct, and she slams her hand over on, onto the table and absorbs the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And you see her face gets a little red. From from one from from one scene to the other. This 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 is this ranks up there with with the main X Men book and Hawkspox with just terms of prettiness. Yeah, yeah, Art-wise, yeah. Yep. The art for both the A and and B stories are are really sharp. Oh, and uh, I I definitely like the the dynamic panels. There's those two pages where it has like the circles all around the six circles. Yeah, yeah, really really cool. Lots of good nine panel grid stuff here too. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's really sharp. Did uh, did Frank Martin do the colors on the second part? Uh, Wilson did on the second part. Yeah, so oh, it's, it's two totally okay. different art teams. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there was just they work. They work really similarly, though. Like they're very complementary. Yeah, and like, yeah. It it definitely seems like. It seems like there was collaboration between those two teams in terms of yeah. like having a singular vision for the book. And like obviously we can't speak to that, but the fact that it feels that way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is all that matters, really, you know? Like it's it's very cohesive. Yeah, and, and typically you feel uh if you have a new creative team or a different creative team and it goes from like page to page, I feel like I didn't I didn't feel that that shock. Yeah. Even the fact that it was like two stories, like it was yeah, a that too. story, and I remember when that happened, I was like, "That is really weird." Like, why did they do it that way? And it's like, it does feel like two totally different stories, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it doesn't. Right. It was. It feels like it kind of ties together with the pale lady at the end. Yeah, it's like kind of the the combining element. It takes us back to where we started, and like yeah. you know, the whole the whole like vampire angle of it all, though, is also very like. Well, that kind of came out of nowhere, but also makes sense. Like, did that was cool. Sorry, go ahead. That's it. Oh, did that work for you guys? I mean, it did. It did for me because, like, okay. So I think that this book is this was a solid issue. I liked it in general. Yes. I think this is the most comic booky that any of the X books have felt like aside from the odd issue. Cause I know we talked about that with like the main X-Men book where like mm-hmm. the first couple issues like 
have kind of a weird just like this just feels like monthly comics again kind of vibe. Yeah. And I feel like this is kind of like that in that it definitely feels like a classic kind of Wolverine story. Like, but it does feel like it has the some of the trimmings and the trappings of like what's been so high quality about the House of X. Does that make sense? Yes. It's like it's like if you it, it feels the most like Frank Miller 80s Wolverine and then you put, you know, Marvel's vampire line in the middle of it. Cuz like va- vampires were huge in Marvel during the 80s. Yeah. Their horror line was huge. Blade and uh, I think I think uh Morbius had his own line and then um and then there was like i think there was like a legitimate like dracula book that was really good what yeah vampires have always been a thing in marvel so like them showing up wasn't that weird and it's also i think it feels to me like reminiscent of wolverine is one of those characters that works in the same way that like batman does i think where you can put him in any situation for the most part and it's like it makes sense Right? Like, Wolverine in a post-apocalypse, Wolverine fighting vampires, Wolverine goes to Japan, Wolverine, you know, like, that's just the kind of character he is, and you can contextualize him pretty much anywhere, and I feel like it makes sense, because the idea that, like, vampires would be interested in Wolverine because his blood is really, like, different. Yeah, okay, I buy that. Shit. That's the whole, that's a huge thing within the character, is that he regenerates and that he has an infinite amount of blood. Wouldn't vampires be interested in that? Or the idea that, like, all of the sudden, mutants are making this major play and humanity's focused on them, so vampires are going to make their move. Like, yeah, I buy that. You know, like, it feels comic booky. It feels, you know, um, like, I guess a little, like, monster of the week because it's new, but, like, that's, you know, that's comics, man. Like, that's what it is sometimes. Uh, I love when comics lean into being comic-y, if yeah. I'm being honest, so... When it's good, and I think this is yeah. good. Like this is like a this feels like the start of a solid monthly like solo superhero book, you know. And like none of the X books have been that. And you know, I think this is like a different. It's a bit of a different beast, but I don't think it's not of the same quality. It's just a much different flavor. Yo, when the when the vampires put that fucking spigot in Wolverine's neck. Dude. That was gnarly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And this, like, this, uh, I forget her name, but the the character who he meets, like, the vampire hunter, and she's got that cool fucking, like, light gun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, UV dude, like, cannon. she was badass. I'm like, I, I was into it, you know? Like, I was like, this feels like a very, like, you said, Kay, like, a classic 80s Wolverine story, but, like, when's the last time we got one of those? I could um, get down. I feel like Ben Percy understands the importance of of letting art speak for itself like there is there's plenty of dialogue and there's plenty of narrative explanation stuff don't get me wrong but i think of like the scene where they talk about when logan goes to confront uh like that mafia group and they talk about having psionic dampeners to avoid this pale uh pale lady and like the way it's expressed in the one guy's eye great great stuff to that point i think when he's interrogating omega red and it's flipping between that that sequence the the doctor sequence 
it 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 makes for a really good just like visual through line this was solid work yeah i i I think honestly my only criticism of it is i think that there are some moments where some of the dialogue or the scripting feels a little stilted like there are definitely a few of those moments where like people don't talk like that you know or i can't hear wolverine saying something that way you know and I, i don't think it was common i think for the most part he has the voice down but I didn't feel that way so much about X Force, and I did feel that way a couple times with this book. What what uh, what what uh, like sequence was? I'm trying to find an example right now, so don't like wait on me because yeah, yeah. I can't remember. But I'm I'm looking for one of one of the ones that that stuck out to me right now. I all right. Well, in the meantime, I thought I had, especially with the Omega Red and 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 the vampire stuff. Uh, I kind of thought about how Wolverine really lends himself well to the kind of Hellboy storytelling archetype, where it's like Logan sort of, just goes to investigate a thing for a week. And, sort of wandering Ronin, yeah. Yes, and it, it, this book, two different parts, uh, and it works in both. Yeah, yep. I like that twist at the end. I don't know who Omega Red is, so when when he came up... Oh, oh really? You don't? No idea. Oh, he's a He's an absolute scumbag. You've read a lot of X Men. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Yeah, I can't believe you don't know him. Like you, what? What years is he from? Nineties. Nah, bro. I stopped in the (laughs) eighties. I uh, I really like Omega Red, but this is probably this is probably the first time I've ever read him. Like I remember him from the cartoon, Um, and uh, I've always wanted to read him. I think I think he's. He's a cool design, and he's uh, he's got some cool stuff going on. But I should have figured he's he was. Also he was from the nineties. Fuck, he's such a scumbag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's an awful dude. Because because uh, yeah, he's from he's from the Claremont and Jim Lee run of the early nineties X Men, which is like one of the most famous runs ever. Yeah, because because when he walked through the door and or through the portal, and the first thing that that Wolverine says to him is, "You got three seconds to turn around and vanish yourself back to the gate," and he he just counts. And like launches out. I was like, fuck yeah. Don't know who this guy is, but fuck yeah. But it's like you immediately have a sense for who he is. Right, exactly. Because Wolverine is like, yo, he's letting Apocalypse walk around. Yeah, like, he's yeah. not worried about any of these. Like, you know, he didn't try to kill Shaw, but as soon as he sees Omega Red, he's like, turn around and get the hell out of here. I'm he's going like, oh, to kill hell you. Nah. But it's like, no way. And and that's a great point because that was the thing, right? Like he even says he's like, "There are kids here, man. Like yeah. there are kids. Like- <laughs> you can't be here. There are kids here." <laughs> uh, but th- that that actually goes back to um, Phil's point on like how it all sort of seamlessly works together. Because uh, right before you get to that, it's three pages. It's two pages of setup of like, "Oh, this is like the paradise. This is where we're at." And then to your point, Pete, it, it talks about Magneto, uh, Apocalypse, and then the full page of Omega Red coming through the the portal. It's like very well done. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good like like moments like that where it's like, hey, we're gonna show you what you want, what what you're supposed to get from this, right? Like the yes. art is informing that moment for you, not the dialogue of like, you know, Wolverine being like, I could learn to trust Magneto, but you know, like it doesn't have to be that straightforward because like there's the trust that the art will carry that moment for you. Yep. I I think this might be my favorite non-main X-Men book of the Dawn of X series. 
like like everything so coming far. out of it so far. Yeah, I mean, like I I really enjoyed Hickman's X Men main title proper, mm-hmm. but I think outside of, of all the side books, I think this is the best single issue so far. This is the one I think I've enjoyed the most. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think so. So, Kale, I'm interested in hearing why do you not feel like you're interested in following it then? Yeah. I'm not interested in following anything. (laughs) My man doesn't read comics. Nah. He's too busy drawing uh, good Wolverines instead of bad Wolverines. (laughs) Too busy trying to make it as an artist, man. (laughs) I gotta be, I gotta get this next job after Bogdanovic. Yeah, get that. Oh, I want to read a whole book by by you. (laughs) <laughs> can, the, can, we, can that be a thing we do can we get us can we get a script book for wolverine and we just make kale draw his over oh challenge? my god that sounds good <laughs> writing mm, i don't know kale's writing's pretty subpar but the art oh the art <laughs> i like the idea of marco pete and i taking turns on a page and making kale have to draw it all fuck <laughs> i think that's a great this you know sounds what? like a great idea for a youtube series or fucking, that's a, a a decent way to get some comedy money out, comedy money out of uh, uh, Comic Con. Oh yeah, just walk around trying to sell our funny book about Wolverine, <laughs> Canadian Wolverine. Oh my god, it's an original character, oh <laughs> no my relation. God. So yeah, uh, I mean, I think all around we were really excited. Solid work from the art team, the colors. Oh, I I did, I did want to say I I liked the use of the pages, like the um, um the infographics. I think that this is one of the books that's done it really really well as well. We uh, what we read of X Force that Beast issue as well. Um, yeah, Benjamin Percy really seemed to. I had I hadn't read any of his stuff before, but I I do recall saying that I I really enjoyed his voice in those. I dig Percy. Yeah, I think I think he's got. I think he's got he's on to something here and he obviously loves you know he said it at the panel we went to Phil like he Wolverine's his favorite character like this is the book he's always wanted to do so um I'm excited to see where he goes with it yeah I wish that Sean was here because I know he said that like he's not a big Wolverine guy and I would love to have heard what what his take on this was because it's very much a Wolverine book Yeah. yeah I think I think what's interesting about Wolverine is a lot of times when he's in the X Men he's sort of He's sort of overshadowed, but un no. He's sort of overused, but undershadowed. Okay. No, he's sort of underused, but overshadowed. You mean overused, but overshadowed? Over, like he shows up a lot, but he doesn't do that much. Is what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Overused and, and overshadowed would be the way to say that. Okay, but in his own books, I feel like. At least the the Wolverine bits that I've read, when you really get to be with that character, it it feels different. It feels good. Yeah. Well, I so I think I made the point earlier that I think that Wolverine's a really malleable character, and I think that's part of the reason, right? Is like Wolverine is I think one of the few Marvel. Maybe it's not fair to say one of the few, but one of the best Marvel characters in terms of that you can throw him in any situation. Like he can be on a big team book like an Avengers or an X-Men and just be kind of a guy who falls into the background and his muscle. But when you take him out for his own venture, you can get into kind of like that Logan territory yes. of stuff that's a little more introspective, yep. you know, and that reflects on the fact that like, yes, like Wolverine is a pretty, you know, at the end of the day, like he's a pretty stereotypical 
like tough guy character, you know, and like the well-worn trope of like the cowboy or the Ronin who protects the village or the child or whatever. Like we've seen that kind of character before, right? That's what Mandalorian did. Um, so that is what it is. But I think that because you're used to him being one way in like a team environment and a different way on his own or with a child or, you know, like he, he just works in all these different contexts and you can play him different ways based on who he has to bounce off of. Right. Like a story that's about Wolverine going on a mission with like a, a team of characters that includes like a Deadpool or a Spider-Man is going to have a way different energy than a book when he's off on his own investigating a crime. And I think that's really cool. You know, he's more dynamic for that reason. It's used to great effect here. Yeah. Yeah, because this can be a book where, like, like this book is very focused on the idea, brings up a few times that Wolverine is a guy who's experienced a lot of trauma, and that, like, that has made him more sensitive in a lot of ways, yeah. rather than closed him off, right? Like, his immediate thought is, it doesn't matter if you can resurrect these kids, like, you can't undo the trauma that Omega Red could do. Yeah, that was, that was a great line. That's a powerful line coming from Wolverine. Yeah. You know, who's a, a veteran and, you know, somebody who's experienced a lot of, like, you know, I guess, like, you could categorize it as, like, mental illness, you know? Um, and that's something that's, like, defining for him as a character. And, yeah, I think it is leveraged, really. Like, it's leveraged for good effect here, right? Like, Percy is totally in on Wolverine's a badass and I'm going to make him a badass. But, like, he's also trying to show some dimension to the character. And that's what that's what worked about Logan. You know that's why it all we all connected with it so uh, well, and I, I'm I'm excited to see what he can do with a, a long run on the character, or at least a longer run on the character. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Um, and any any final thoughts? This is great. Looking forward to the next cool. one. Cool. Same. Wolverine's a little guy. He is a little guy, and I'm excited to see like you, baby. And uh, I'm excited to see what he does with this because this is actually a book I'm I'm willing to pick up um hell yeah 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 yeah. so uh i i feel like we'll definitely revisit one of these reviews or we'll definitely review the next couple of issues if anything we'll see how it goes yeah yeah definitely so uh we were supposed to review marauders this week but uh marco took over and uh here we are yeah book so. shit <laughs> so with that uh yeah, uh please reach out to us let us know as phil is holding up for you youtube viewers his good bad what was it best bad best worst best, best <laughs> hashtag best, best bad wolverine yeah, yeah yeah is that what we said i think so yeah hashtag best worst wolverine hashtag best bad wolverine best yeah. bad wolverine so please send those in we definitely want to see what you guys can come up with or however shitty it comes out and uh reach out to us shoot us an email definitely leave us a review on itunes what's that email address marco damn bro let me get to it <laughs> all right, you said it and then didn't listen. So I, I let me get to it. Damn. All right, okay. All right, so, all right. Uh, again, reach out to us uh, on the social medias, email. Uh, oh, my God. Fuck me up. All right. Uh, reach out <laughs> to us on social media at the Comics Pals. Shoot us an email, thecomicspals at gmail.com. Join the Discord. We'll definitely be posting these pictures up there as well as our social media. So join in on the conversation. It's always a good time. We talk about mad shit. And I think I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the 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 direct for Animal Crossing because I'm excited and probably post about that in the in the chat if you guys haven't started it already. Pete, plugs. Okay. 
I don't think you actually ever said the email address that I called you out on. I did. That's funny. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> the comics pals at gmail.com. Let's yeah. go. Okay. Come on. Great. Uh, okay. Uh, thanks for joining us here in another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me on social media, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can also go check out my stuff at loopots.com where I host their weekly Nintendo podcast, The Potscast, uh, where, funny enough, we talked about the Animal Crossing Direct this week. So if you want to go check that out, please do. That is funny enough. Funny enough. Funny. Uh, man, that's funny. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny stuff. Uh, and then you can also go check out the uh, Patreon exclusive show After Dark where it's like just, you know, general discussion. So... Go check that stuff out uh, if you want some more of me. Oh, Kale. If you want to keep up with me, I'm the guy who's honking at your mama. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at WhiskeyGrandpa69 <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> Hashtag Kale loves milfs. Phil. Cyborg Bebop. Amazing. Kaleward.com, C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Kaleward! And you can follow me at Mr. Mark Ranamoto on Instagram and Twitter. Go check out a recent comic I did as part of the Comic Jam. It's in the Discord, and I'll be... Uh, I did it on Twitter. I'll post it up probably on Instagram and stuff. So, yeah, thank you for that. And until next time, y'all. What? See you next week. See you next week! <laughs> oh, honking at your mama! <laughs> I'm the best at what I do, eh? And the best at what I do means I honk your mama. <laughs> I got less and less Canadian over time. <laughs> I love Canadian Wolverine's southern accent. <laughs> <laughs>